Hi, everyone, and welcome to Angel Talk. My name is Philip Kerrigan. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, how are you doing? Uh, I'm usually joined by the ambitious angel mom herself, but she has yet again decided to blossom out on her own and do a separate interview with a lovely angel mother and author, Summer Gordon. So Brynn was able to sit down with uh, Summer and talk a little bit about her story of loss and her angel, which is actually, as you'll hear, strikingly similar to that of Brynn's experience losing Rowan. And the two of them really uh, expand on that, and they talk a little bit about uh, what it was like to to lose an angel in that fashion. Out, out of that particular haze of, of grief, Summer actually wrote a book. She is the author of a book called Hope remains and really the podcast that's that's what it's all about this is a two-parter Bryn sat down with summer and talked about not only her loss but then how she turned that loss into something uh hopeful and something meaningful and something that will hopefully help uh, a lot of people out there going through the same sorts of things so summer sat down and, and talked about the book and um, the two of them also have a sissy sign, which we will get to in the next uh, in the next uh, two episodes. But it was a really excellent episode. It, as usual, Bryn is able to get guests to open up and, and share their story in a really compelling and emotional way. And can't say enough about her interview uh, abilities. There's not much room left for yours truly, folks. This is just I'm going to have to start petitioning to get into this room for crying out loud. But it is amazing to hear Bryn talk about these stories with with fellow angel parents and and just share their stories and, and how they can get through these, these times of adversity. As usual, at the end, we're going to remind you to subscribe and share and talk to everybody about all that stuff. But I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Here is part one of the interview with Summer Gordon, the author of Hope Remains. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Angel Talk. We are here today with a special guest from Florida. Her name is Summer Gordon. She is an author, a speaker, and a hope-filled grieving parent. She's the author of Hope Remains and the mother to three beautiful children. Welcome, Summer. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, it is an honor to have you. I um you know, I always spy on our guests through social media. So I've been, you know, watching your posts and your different pages and your life looks beautiful and inspiring. So I'm happy to have another um, hope-filled grieving woman on the show. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, Summer, to start out, I would love to hear um, a little bit about your story and um, maybe about your son Sawyer and... Our stories are very similar, you guys, so um, I know it's kind of a hard topic for us to talk about as grieving mamas, but um, Summer, would you be willing to share with our listeners a little bit about your story? Sure. So in um, August of 2016, um, well, at the time we have three beautiful children. My oldest is a girl, Aggie, and then we have Repard is our middle boy, and Sawyer is our youngest. And um, at the time we were fostering two children, they were older children that I had anticipated fostering, but it's just where we felt led at the time. And so um, 
we were fostering a teenage daughter and then um, a teenage or um, an eight-year-old foster son too. So we had oh, a full wow. house. Holy cow. And yeah, this, you did. <laughs> and this is our first experience fostering. And it was an, un, you know, fostering is just, it, it, every situation is unique anyway, but I felt like it was unconventional if there's even ever a conventional situation. Um, so it, it relied, it required my husband and I to rely on each other deeply. And we had just come out of a real delicate season of marriage. Um, one where we were in counseling frequently. And so um, this was going to prepare us for what was to come where we needed each other even more than we would realize. So wow. in August, 2016, um, we live on four acres and it's a really busy road. So we have a nice size yard, but a real busy road. So we have a gate that I always closed and um, my husband always reminded me to close the gate. Well, this morning I took my son to, he had his first dentist appointment and I was a little apprehensive anyway because he had developmental delay and some sensory processing. Mm. Well, he had sensory processing disorder. So he had some challenges anyway. And we had just gone through um, an appointment the week prior where he had to have some x-rays in the loud, dark room. And so it was just very intimidating. So I thought, oh boy, you know, this is going to be a little dicey. Let him allowing somebody to, you know, put their fingers in his mouth and all of that. Well, it, it was, the appointment was a bust. So I, I piled my kids up into the car. We drove 30 minutes to the appointment. He had to have some x-rays. It was, it was just a stressful situation. One more illustration of, you know, how he wasn't an atypical kid, like one yeah. more hurdle for him to have to overcome. And so um, Sawyer was five and he was just the light of our little home. He was Aww. such a joy. And so that afternoon we went to, we, we tried to redeem the day and we went to have lunch with friends and it was, it was raining. It was pouring down rain. And um, so then we headed home after that. And as I pulled through my drive, I, I hesitated because I, you know, glanced at the gate and I thought to myself, I don't want to get out and close the gate. It was a manual gate. We didn't have the mm. um, automatic on, on it. And so it was raining. I said, the kids are going to be inside anyways. It's raining. So I just justified not closing the gate. So we pulled out to the house and, um, or pulled up to the house and filed inside and the kids were playing. Well, about an hour later, it had stopped raining and um, I looked outside and I noticed that the gate was open and I hollered to one of the kids to go close the gate, but I knew that they had ignored me. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, well, I'll go out there in a few minutes and I'll close it. And then, um, Sawyer came into my room. I was working on a project with our foster daughter. We were making something crafty and he came into the room to see what was going on. And one of his challenges was that he still wasn't quite potty trained. And so I noticed he needed a diaper change. So I picked him up and I, I changed his diaper and then um, I, I put his feet on the floor and I kissed him on the head and he said, mama loves you because I was constantly peppering him with that. Mama loves you, you know, Aww. and I kiss him all the time and I was overly and annoyingly affectionate, but uh, I said, mama loves you. And I kissed him and he went off on his way. And then minutes later, um, a man ran into my home and he, he was, he just yelled, a child's been hit by a car and oh my gosh, my heart sank. And then I went outside and I saw him at a distance, his little blonde head laying on the ground. Oh. And all I could keep saying to myself was, no, no, no. Oh my and, gosh. Um, and so, you know, his last words that I said to him was, mama loves you. And so what a gift. Yeah, right? what a what gift. A gift that those were the words he heard from me. And yeah. um, 
So he was unresponsive and we, we made the kids stay up at the house because I just didn't want them to see anything. And, um, you know, he was just, his little body was just quiet and crumpled up and it wasn't this gory, horrific scene, but it was, I was just rocking over him, just saying, it's okay, Sawyer, it's okay, I'm here, I'm here. And there was this young man kind of standing nearby and he was just in shock. And I recognized him. Um, we had just started going to a new church and he had been at our house. We had hosted a youth event a couple weeks prior and he had been there helping with the youth. Oh and my so gosh. I don't remember ever meeting him officially, but I recognized him and I knew his name because I, I had just started to become friends with his sister. And, and so he was, he just said, I'm, he's like, I didn't see him. I just felt him. And, and so he was wow. just, yeah, he was Hysterical, just broken up. I, I grabbed him and I just hugged him. And I said, Ugh. listen to me. I said, this is not your fault. I said, this is not your fault. This is the enemy. And, um, that, response was really the Holy Spirit within me because oh, for sure. I, that wasn't in my flesh, you know? Yeah. And then um, my husband came, he was at work and someone was able to get a hold of him. And he had the same response to this young man, which again was a testament to, you know, the Lord and it being a supernatural strength. And all of the first responders were just in shock and they were just watching. Like they, they, one of the police officers even looked at another and he said, what's going on? Right. Yeah. They probably don't see that all the time. I mean, no. as far as that kind of reaction. Never. And even um, the young man who was driving Casey, he he was like, I just wanted, in referring to my husband, he's like, I just wanted him to walk over and to hit me. Because he just wanted, he, he felt so responsible. He just wanted some type of you know, consequence or repercussion. And he's, he's now we're very close friends with him. And uh, so a few hours later, um, Sawyer was welcomed into the arms of Jesus and, and Casey has become like family to us. It's, it's something that you can't explain. You, you understand. I do understand. Yeah. It's so amazing. And for me, it was like, you know, one life has already been lost. I don't want to lose another one. Mm -hmm. And, And we knew, you know, what, we envisioned what could happen if we didn't have a relationship with him, what would his life be like? It could be a downward spiral. And we just didn't want that. And initially I had guards up in my heart just because I really try to, to process my feelings and my emotions rationally. I really try to talk myself through them and not just let them carry me away. And so I was like, okay, um, we've forgiven him. Check. Mm -hmm. That's the important part. We don't have to have a relationship with him. I don't want to, be able to have any kind of strongholds in my heart. Like what if he doesn't live his life in the manner that I think we, he should live his life. And so I really, in my mind that I reasoned that we needed to have distance. And so that was going to be my plan and my intention until the Holy spirit just urged me otherwise. And, um, I had heard, I had heard that he was not doing well. And so I was like, Oh man. And, um, I, I can started to consider and just prayerfully consider reaching out to him because I felt like we had an obligation to, to hold him to a higher standard because I knew he was tender towards us mm-hmm. and I knew he would do anything for us. Right. So I thought, okay, well then we have a responsibility to engage in relationship with him and, and just like help walk him through this. And before I would even reached out to him, he showed up at my front door one day unannounced and it was just he and I, and he was just broken. And, and we sat on my back porch and for three hours, we just cried and we talked and we just went over things. And 
um, there was just a, an, that, that statement. I, I didn't see him. I only felt him that he made of the accident replayed in my mind. And my husband had brought it up to me before because I thought, how could you have not seen him? You know, he's this bright beacon. If you were looking at the road, you would have seen him. And so, but it was hard for me to go there because then I had to ask myself, well, if that's the case, would I be more, would I be as forgiving? If right. he was texting or, you know, distracted driving, would I have been as forgiving? And so I had to really address that because I wasn't going to even go there, but my husband brought it up one day when we were driving. He's like, I, you know, I was thinking about our road summer and I said, don't, don't say it. Don't say it. Mm-hmm. And he like, how could he have not seen him? And I was like, there it is. <laughs> so, um, right. so I had to wrestle through and I had to ask myself, have you ever glanced down at the phone? You know, when you've been looking at the phone, of course. Yes. And you know, I had to wrestle with forgiving myself because I'd left the gate open. Right. And so, um, so when he showed up at my house that day and we were talking outside on the back porch, we talked about that. I said, you know, Casey, I said, I want to talk about this. I said, I, I know that you, you know, you weren't looking at the road. And he said, no, he said, I haven't kept that a secret. And it was just an information that I had not heard before. He said, I shared that with the police officer on the scene. And the fact that he owned up to it was good because then we could just address it. And it wasn't a skeleton in the closet. You know, I just didn't want any type of, of just, I'm, I'm big on communication and just bringing it to the surface. Let's work through it. And so, yeah, so that day was just really the start of our continued relationship. Wow. How many, how long after the accident was that date that he came over? Probably two weeks. Wow. So, you know, like after the service and the dust starts to yes. settle and you're left, you know, things start to get quiet at home and you're left to your own thoughts. And, and so, yeah, it was probably a couple weeks later. Wow. So. And honestly, that sounds to me hearing it like that was God's timing as well, that you may have, it wouldn't have been the right time to hear it maybe anytime sooner than what it was. You know, you were probably still processing what was, you know, actually your new reality and what was going on. And I think that two-week mark seems like it was probably, you know, God's timing of that was when you both needed to do that. Yeah, he knows, you know, he knows what our hearts can handle. And I just feel like I have learned so much through this process about the intimacy of God and just how personal he is. And um, just in his timing and and so many different things through this walk, just his comfort. And somebody asked me not long ago, you know, what have you learned about the Lord? And I thought, that's so hard to put into words, mm-hmm. but I am at a place where I can say, and I, and I hesitate to say it because it's so, for somebody who it's so raw, it just hurts so much. But, you know, the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And um, it is a blessing to mourn because those who are mourning deeply have the capacity to experience God in a more personal level than somebody who hasn't gone through such deep suffering. And to be able to say that now seems surreal, but it's true. And that's been my heart so much in this journey is that in the beginning, I just wanted to know that I could make it. I wanted to know that I was going to make it. And then it wasn't always going to hurt that bad. It wasn't going to always just suffocate me with the grief and the pain. And then that has in turn turned into just a hope to, to be able to, to offer hope to other people who are going through that heartache and to be able to tell them. It won't always be this acute. It won't always be this debilitating. It will always be there. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the pain to always be there because A, it keeps my heart tethered to Jesus. 
but B, it reminds me that my love for my little boy is so strong still, you know, because as you get further away from, from the date that you, that you lose your child or your loved one, you know, it, you're, are, we're fallible and our memories get foggy. And so it's, it's, I feel like he's less and less close to me, but the reality is the farther we get away, the closer he is and the closer they are to us. And that's awesome. Wow. That is so beautiful. Um, I got emotional there for a little bit with you. Um, your story's very emotional and raw, but um, it's so beautiful to hear that your forgiveness was pretty much immediate, would you say? It was. And that's, that that's a testament. Yeah. That's a 100% testament. To so true. That. You it know, I've, I felt the same exact way um, when when my daughter passed, and I felt this immediate, like I never blamed her. It was just very immediate forgiveness. Um, and I've never, I mean, I always felt like that was God because I felt like he was there with us, like literally holding a, us together. Um, but I love how you said that was the Holy Spirit, you know, and the Holy Spirit giving you these urges. And I'm going to use that from now on because that's just, yeah. that's yeah. it's so true. And then when you said that, I was like, that is exactly what it was. Like, there's no other, you know. And there isn't, there's not an explanation. And that's what differentiates us as believers from the world is that we do have this hope and this real tangible physical spirit inside of us. When we accept Christ, this spirit dwells within us. And yeah. You know, I've always heard, oh, our body's a temple, our body's a temple. Well, I always thought that is, you know, you need to just take care of your body. You need to be careful what you put in. You need to treat it honorably. But back in the Old Testament, you know, the high priest was the only one who was able to go into the temple. And that's where God dwelled. The spirit of God dwelled in the temple. Well, when Jesus came and he he fulfilled the law and the veil, or the, the curtain was torn that separated the temple. Now our temple is where the spirit of God indwells. And that's how we are able to respond differently than, than somebody who doesn't know Christ is because we have his spirit within us. And so that is that's the only explanation for it. And that's why, you know, people can look at us in that moment and say, what is going on? Because yeah. it's so different from how the world responds. Right. Yeah. And it's so different from how I would have thought I was going to respond. Exactly. Because, you know, I have grown up in church and grown up, I, I, came to know the Lord at a very young age, but I wasn't a Bible scholar. Yeah. And I did my fair share, had my fair share of partying, and just yeah. my, my regrets that my don't ever want my kids to know. But um, but that's the beauty too of, of Jesus is that he can use anybody, right. you know? And if we offer our life to him, it, he, he credits that faith as righteousness and he's the one who's given us the strength. And yet he, he honors us and credits it as righteousness. It's just, just mind blowing to me. It is. Um, yeah. it the strength of his spirit too. It, it enables us to do what we could never do in our flesh. Wow. I, I agree. That's powerful. Um, I want to just touch back on guilt. Um, you said that you had kind of carried some guilty you know, harbored some guilt after the accident and as well as, um, the young man, um, how are you both doing with that now? And did it, are you still dealing with any of those, you know, harboring guilt feelings or you guys both, you know, moved forward from that? So, um, I think it's a constant journey. I Mm -hmm. think it's, um, for him, 
So Casey is now married and he has a son of his own. Oh, wow. And, um, my Sawyer loved matchbox cars. And so he always had matchbox cars. He actually had one in his hand when he pedaled out into the road. And um, Casey's son now loves matchbox cars. So for him, it's just like a constant, he, it brings him joy because it reminds him of Sawyer and Casey has a deep love for Sawyer. And it's a love that I think could have only been instilled from the Lord. But um, his guilt was hard at first when he first had his son. He had some dark days, especially at night. You know, he would just sit there and look at his son. And it just made him realize the depth of our loss yeah. on a whole nother level. And um, so I think he really struggled with some guilt there. But he's worked through it. And he knows, you know, that the devil likes to whisper lies in his ear and tell him, oh, the, you know, the Gordons don't want to see you. You know, don't go over there. Mm. They don't they don't want to hear from you. You don't deserve a relationship with them. And and all of those things he has wow. to wrestle. But he knows that whenever he comes over, he just feels welcomed and he feels like family. And um, for us, for me, I had guilt because, um, gosh, for so many reasons, because A, I didn't shut the gate, but I also, there was a blessing in knowing that he could have climbed the gate. There, there was times where one time I came home from the grocery store and he had climbed the gate to go follow his brother and sister somewhere. And, um, you know, we can't keep our kids in a bubble as much as we try. And, um, I, sh I should have locked the door. I changed, I just changed my childproof doorknobs for these real pretty little handles. And I thought, gosh, you know, what if I wouldn't have been so caught up in the superficial and the appearance of my home? What if I'd kept the child, like, you know, the childproof locks on? Um, when I heard my husband cry at night or when I saw him break down, I did. I felt guilty because I was like, my husband went to work one day and he came home and his son was gone. And I just felt so responsible for that. And he never once blamed me. And, um, it deepened my love so much for my husband too. Oh, good. But, um, but so it's something that I, I struggle with less and less over time because also what remind, it reminds me that, you know, the, the devil would love nothing more than for me to be in bondage to my guilt. Yeah. And so the strong will in me is like, no, I'm not going to let you benefit an ounce, not one iota from my son's blood. And so I really have to just wrestle with that. And um, also I, I just remind myself, you know what? God could have sent any, a legion of angels at any time. And yeah. so, and then that's a really tough question to ask. Cause you have to say, okay, God, if you could have stopped this, why didn't you? And then that's a whole nother conversation on theology and why would a good God let bad things happen? And what I would just say to that is because he sees the bigger picture and what is a bad thing to us is just a blip on the timeline of eternity. This is just a, a tiny little speck, you know, like this isn't the end. If we view this life as though this is all there is, then of course right. that's horrifying and you can't move past it, but that's not what I believe. And, um, and lastly, you know, I'm, my son, that wasn't the first time that he had snuck out of the gate. There had been two other times that we lived here in just one year's time. At the time we'd only lived here one year that he had gone past and someone escorted him back up to the house. And oh so for me, that was a lot because I have to tell myself, I would constantly ask myself like, Summer, you had so many warnings, so many warnings that this was going to happen. So many mm -hmm. chances that you could have taken more precaution. And so the flesh in me did wrestle that. But as, as it's, you know, time has gone on, I have just realized that that doesn't, that doesn't help anyone. And, no. you know, the Lord, 
gosh, if any, he's so forgiving. And if he's forgiven me, then I have to forgive myself. So 100%. When I was going through those feelings with you, I remember um, feeling like I was going to war with the devil every day that you wake up. It's like, oh, I'm back to battle with the devil all day long. And um, my pastor at our church told me, don't let the devil win. And I'm a fighter like you. And that has stuck with me for all of, you know, the years that I've been grieving and and healing. And I really did feel like I'm going to war, but I'm going to win this war. And I'm not going to let him win and tear me down and and make me feel this guilt and shame forever. And I'm a visual person, so I can, like, visualize it. And I just, you know, picture us, you know, basically going to war with the devil and, and not letting him win. And it's it's a good feeling to come out and, and know that I'm standing side by side with the Lord, not with the devil. That's right. Because there's no condemnation in Christ, you yeah. know, he, and the devil is an accuser and there's condemnation with the devil. And so when we have those feelings, that is not from the Lord. And that is, you're right. Like we, and the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. And so we do, we have the power of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord within us to help us overcome. I couldn't do it without that. I couldn't. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree. Wow. Um, I kind of want to backtrack too, because, you know, all these questions are swirling in my head as you're talking and telling your story, but did you ever feel like any intuition or senses like that something might happen to Sawyer? Yeah. You did. See, I did too. And I hear that from so many other parents, um, leading up to their child's death, um, that they feel it. And, you know, so I always am curious and I wanted to ask, like, did you have these feelings or intuition that something might happen? Well, Sawyer was because of his, his disability, exceptionality, you know, whatever you want to call it, it, he was impulsive. And so he wasn't as aware of dangers in his surroundings. And, um, so I was constantly, I, I didn't have this feeling that something was going to happen. I am always worried about him way more than his siblings, way more. And, you know, I think, I don't know if it was because of, you know, just his lack of, of reservation or, you know, in his, just his inhibited inhibitions, or if, if it was because I just, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but I do know that I always worried about him much more so than my other siblings and out than his other siblings. And I would always say, I don't know what, what I would ever do if anything happened to him. I told my husband that over and over and over. I don't know what I would do if anything ever happened to Sawyer. Um, wow. So it's just, yeah. I know. And I've often wondered if that's the Holy Spirit, like, preparing us to or where that comes from you know I I I don't know I don't have the answer but it's so um mind-boggling that that's already instilled in us to have that that feeling yeah but I but then on the flip side too I think that um you know fear isn't from the Lord Mm -hmm. and I definitely had a fear so like I was kind of I was living in fear with my boy um and I know that that you know, fear robs you from joy in the moment. And even Mm. now I have to just, um, I really have to tether that or, um, temper, not tether, tether that, that fear with my kids now, like, you know, cause one of them is going to be driving in about a year and a half. And and so, um, it's just, 
I have to constantly remind myself they are the Lord's, they're not mine. You know, I am not responsible. I cannot go with them everywhere. And so it's just something that I've had to temper since losing Sawyer. It's just because, you know, we are more aware of the, the horror of child loss. And so it's like, God, I can't go through that again. Please don't make me go through that again. And so part of me does live in a little bit more fear, but then at the same time, I'm so much more aware of the fact that tomorrow isn't promised. And so I'm a lot more in the present too. And I just realized that today is such a gift and just treasure the gift that's in front of us. I agree. All right. And so that was Bryn's interview with Summer Gordon, the author of Hope Remains. Really lovely part one. Next week, they will actually do an entire episode about sissy science. So that's really uh, pretty cool. And look out for that. As usual, as I said at the beginning of the show, if you really like what you hear and think that others can actually get something out of this, please remember to subscribe, share the podcast, rate and review us. The more you do that, the higher up we get. And the more you share this with folks, the more opportunity we get to actually try and help anybody and everybody we can. You know, it's so funny. We usually do some upcoming events where we had in the past through this podcast, and we actually have some now. So I want to actually highlight a few of those. Um, We will be having our annual golf tournament. We've moved it from September up to May. So it's typically in September. This year, it's actually on May 21st. We have staggered uh, tee time starting at around 8 a.m., and it will be at the Olympia Country and Golf Club. So it will be the same venue, but a different time. It'll start uh, earlier, and it will also be on that May 21st date. Then as we get into summer and maybe things start to open up a little bit, you know, we're in phase three by then, maybe even phase four, maybe even got a bunch of people getting vaccinated and our comeback continues. We'll be doing our annual run for Rowan. Now, it's a little bit different in that we are going to limit the capacity depending on where we are in COVID protocol. As of now, we're limiting the capacity to 400, but you never know. By the time June comes, we might have a lot of folks who have been vaccinated and we can have the event as we usually have it. There will be a beer garden. There will be some things for the kids to do. It won't be a full-on kids zone. But it'll be fun. Look out for that. That is the run for Rowan on June 19th. And then our dinner and auction is now rescheduled for September 25th. We did that in part because we wanted to make sure we could actually have it on a date that allowed for everyone to come and partake that usually partakes. You know, if you've come to that, we usually have around 400 to 450 people come out. And we wanted to make sure we could continue to do that. So we pushed it as far back as we could. That date is September 25th. That is at the Little Creek Casino out in Shelton, Washington. We really, again, want to thank Summer Gordon for coming on and talking about her her angel and talking about the book that she read, Hope Remains. If you have an opportunity, make sure to, to Google that and check out more information on that. So, Summer, thank you for stopping by. Bryn, way to go on the interview again. You crushed it again. Stay tuned next week for part two of Bryn's interview with Summer Gordon. We'll see you later.